I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know, journalists, insiders, all of whom can break down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solik, and Craig Horlbeck. And we are coming to you every Tuesday and Thursday to talk everything NFL Draft. And as always, you can go to NFLDraft.TheRinger.com where I have added the team needs for every team in the NFL. Woo. So the positions they need, my rationale, you can yell at me if I'm wrong. I'm not actually 100% hit rate on all of them, so good for me. That is at NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. You got the team needs there. We've got DK's big board, got DK's mock draft, all that jazz. We're actually going to be going through DK's latest mock draft on this episode, and we're going to do it like it's the Oscars. We're not giving away awards, but we're going to borrow the good parts of the Oscars because you know what? There's some categories no one cares about, like sound editing. How dare you? And we don't, yeah, film school guy. We don't care about the sound mixing, whatever. And you know what? You don't care about the Houston Texans. I mean, like some people do, <laughs> wow. but not enough that we do it. So we're going to skip, we're going to rush through all the boring ones. And most importantly, the greatest Oscar innovation of all. When DK starts rambling too much about a player, we're literally going to play him <laughs> off with music, which is something we will do. I'm going to get upset about it. <laughs> Good. That's the obviously point. when DK makes fun of the Giants, uh, I'm going to slap him in the face. <laughs> Keep my team's name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. It's a <laughs> mock draft. <laughs> Keep my team's name out your fucking <laughs> mouth. I haven't I haven't consu- I haven't yeah. consumed a piece of Oscars content. I mean this seriously. I think in my entire life. And I was like in bed asleep, like, all right, time to put the phone away. And then somebody DM'd in a group yeah, and they're like, yo, Will Smith just slapped Chris Rock. And I was like, oh, I will not be going to sleep tonight. I refuse to miss the internet in this moment. I just bleary-eyed in bed, stayed awake for the first Oscars memory of my living life. It was kind of like a maybe top 10 night on Twitter. The the memes were going crazy. Very good memes. Uh, it's one of those things where you'll always remember <laughs> where you were when you saw this. It's like that shocking of a, of a moment. 
Um, obviously, in the big scheme of things, it means nothing, but it was pretty fucking It's funny. right up there with the craziest things that's ever happened in live television. You have like the Janet Jackson <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl thing, like the La La Land, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it's, it's right there. It might be number one. I mean, it might be. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it reminded me of the before times when you could have like this whimsical fun and it was just really nice to get together on the internet and make fun of a dumb thing. I also, the thing that Craig uh, and I, I were talking about. Before times Danny was talking about was when he used to slap people and it was cool. <laughs> it was like, I before times where I could just walk yeah. up to folks and hit them. And it was great now you gotta apologize People yeah mad. except you don't have to apologize to the guy you hit i guess yeah, yeah. i'm a defender <laughs> of family uh i also just want to say to craig we were talking about i mean the craziest award show moment of our life i know there were probably crazier things but like the defining one of the last 10 or 15 years was kanye at the vmas and like he just grabbed the mic <laughs> you right. know what i mean <laughs> like that's it that is so tame now <laughs> in I know, comparison right? it's like oh kanye just wanted to say what he thought was the best yeah exactly this Anyway, so we're going to do all that Oscar stuff and we're going to go through and we'll see if we hit DK or not. It depends if he keeps my team's name in his mouth. But <laughs> first, can we just quickly hit on our thoughts on overtime? The NFL approved. I, I'm actually surprised they actually got this done, but they changed overtime so that both teams have to touch the ball only for the playoffs. So and I actually which like is that it's the way yeah. it is. We can talk about how we feel. So the regular season overtime, nothing changes, which. I think the simplest way to explain the current rules as they were before today is that it's sudden death unless the team that gets the ball first gets the field goal, in which case it keeps going. Otherwise, it's sudden death. Now it's going to stay that way in the regular season. And in the playoffs, both teams have to touch it. And if it's still tied at the end of the second possession, then it becomes sudden death. So obviously, this is the reaction to the Bills Chiefs game where the Bills Mm -hmm. didn't get to touch the ball, which itself was a reaction to the Chiefs not getting the ball in the AFC Championship game a few years ago. DK, do you like that they changed this? I mean, yeah, I don't. I I think it's a good logical fix and and it's nothing too crazy. It just makes more sense. Um, I think it does make things interesting from a uh, like strategic point of view in terms of who's going to receive the ball and whether they go for two if they score a touchdown on the first possession. There's going to be all these sort of wrinkles to that. But overall, I think it is good. Like generally speaking, now we don't have people bitching about it on Twitter, which is the main thing in my life, really. And um, both teams what about can your child the ball. It's fine. What's that? You bit people bitching on Twitter comes ahead of like your child. Yeah, yeah, just a little. Just wanted to check. So, like, do you like the overtime rule? The new one. Bad. Play defense, cowards. Oh, <laughs> no, let's just stop a- somebody. Stop somebody. Make stop. Yeah. Is this a bit or do you actually feel this way? Because a lot of people do feel it way and I'm sympathetic, but I also think they're wrong. It's 50-50 bit. I definitely think that <laughs> on the grand scale of rule changes and, and systemic changes that put offense over defense in the modern NFL, making sure both teams get a touch in a playoff overtime is really not that big of a deal. Like I don't actually like yeah, like I would rather see both Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen touch. Like I got no real problem with that. At the same time, get a stop. Like I, I, I did appreciate that there was a line drawn in the sand somewhere that was like, hey, if your defense can't stop anybody, maybe you don't freaking deserve to win a game, even if your whole <laughs> offense is incredible. And like that, that to me, like it was one of the final bastions of defensive, pro defensive messaging. And I appreciated it. I get that. And I think the point that kills that for me is a team has not elected to take defense in overtime in three years. Right. And the team that did it was the Steelers when they had Duck Hodges at quarterback. Like, it's when every team has decided that, well, the only, the best way to win is offense. And then the stat that changed the overtime rule really was them being like, well, there's 12 overtime rules in the playoffs. And the team Mm -hmm. that won the toss is 10 and two with seven of those wins on the first drive. It's like, I, I, 
I, I, I like it. And I also like, I think now it's like more like play defense once that work. Uh, that works. I, I just, if defense matters, both teams should have to follow do it. up demand, get better at coin flips, get <laughs> where are the analytics. See, this is, All this right. is the bottom line here is it takes the coin flip out of the equation in terms of like, Mm-hmm. whoever's going to have the massive, yes. massive advantage for overtime, it takes the coin flip out of that, which is what the goal it's is. It's amazing. It I think we're, we're, we're under appreciating how much fun this is going to be in the playoffs when the first team, you know, the Chiefs score, they put up seven, and now the Bills have to score seven points, or maybe we'll go for two if they score. It is going to be the most amazing football playoff experience we've ever had. Yeah. So analytics wise, they should go for, I think analytics wise, they should go for two. Like people have already started to like model it out, figure it out, which mm-hmm. is going to be fun. And that's the thing is like, once this gets optimized analytics wise, there's probably going to be something about it that sucks. Right. It might be that like, all right, if you ever get the ball on that second possession, whether they got three or they got seven, you have to go score seven. And if you score seven and, and, and you tie it, you got to go get the digital point conversion. And then we'll just never see a third. No, but I think that, you know what I mean? Like, no, but I liked it because the, the game was in your hands. If you go out there in the first one and you score a touchdown, you can get the two point conversion if you want. And you're like, oh, we'll get seven. If the second team scores the touchdown, they can be like, we'll end it right here. We get one play and we can score and put it in the end zone and the game's over and we can walk away if we want. I, I like that. It's extremely good for the content. No, I, I think that's good too. No, no, I, I want to say I do like that. I'm just saying, I think that once this formula gets put into like, you know, models for teams, we're going to see again mid max pretty quick. And then there's probably going to be something that, that ends up being, you know, dissatisfying about it. Ends up feeling us left wanting just because teams are going to optimize it, that they have the people now in the buildings to do that. You keep saying teams optimize it. You think every team's going to abide by that? I mean, aren't we already there now with like fourth fourth down percentages and what we everybody knows whether you should go or not based on the models people build? But there's there's always going to be Brandon Staley's and there's always going to be you know Pete Carroll's, right? Nah, yeah, <laughs> and there was arguing about the same stuff we were arguing about two years ago. Yeah, but at least the coin flip doesn't decide who wins now. <laughs> Get better at <laughs> coin flips, baby. <laughs> I don't know. No. yeah, yeah. it's going to be good. I think net overall it's good. Yeah. I just want to give some credit to the officials. I thought. DK, I know DK don't nope. feel this way. I actually think the rules for the NFL right now are the best that they have been in like a long time. Like this is the only complaint we have and they addressed it. And like, we're kind of out of complaints right now. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Strong disagree. Yeah. The, yeah. the taunting let's penalties. Fi- let's, let's, let's fix some defensive pass interference, <laughs> offensive pass interference disparities. I think taunting I, I could complain like about the refs season. for days. Yeah. Like, I know don't even yeah. get me started about that. Okay. Right? Well, before we do that, we're just, that, that, that was like the red carpet. We're going to go through, <laughs> yeah. this is dumb. DK did a mock draft this week and we're doing the 10 best picture nominees, the 10 best pick pictures, pictures. Yeah. 10 best pictures. <laughs> Mm. Get it? And it works out. There, there's usually 10 Best Picture nominees in the modern Oscars. We're doing 10 Best Pick. It's perfect. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really strange metaphor. We really did this so we could play DK off with music if he went too long. So without further ado, we're going to roll through it. We're going to go through the 10 Best Pictures. T- best Picture nominees. Yeah, the 10 Best Picture nominees. I don't know why I'm having trouble saying This that. is from my mock draft, by the way, in case that I so, can't remember if you mentioned that. Yeah. Which is at NFLdraft.thereamer.com. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go with number one. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Aiden Hutchinson again. He's the edge rusher for Michigan. Are mm-hmm. we all still set that Hutchinson's still going to go number one? That's how it feels to me. That's how it feels like it's going to go. You know, the, the Jags took steps to, you know, bolster their offensive line during free agency, and that would sort of indicate that they're comfortable or at least ramping up so they don't have to take an offensive line at that spot. They'd probably rather take a... They think that the the pass rushers are more talented or more impactful or whatever. 
Um, that's just how it feels. I know that Ben, back me up if I'm wrong here, or correct me if I'm wrong. He is the betting favorite to go number one currently, isn't he? Yeah. So that's what Vegas thinks. Yeah. It's, that's what Absolutely, I've yeah. seen in most of the mock drafts of late. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it feels. Okay, it's a good speech. Short speech. I like that. I wish everyone could like keep that energy. All right. Number two, you got Detroit Lions taking Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. Yeah. How strongly so this one do you feel tough. they're going to take? Yeah. So I guess let's start with how strongly do you think the Lions take a quarterback? And then if they take a quarterback, then it's Malik Willis. But let's just start with how strongly you think they take a quarterback. I think uh, Malik Willis is going to be the first quarterback picked. I don't feel very strongly in terms of like the percentages or the odds that he's going to be the number two pick for the Lions here. I think there's a strong chance he goes in the top 10, but it's anybody's guess, whether it's the Lions, the Panthers, the Seahawks, potentially the Falcons now need a quarterback. I think those are sort of the teams to look at for quarterback and plus the Lions, obviously. Um, I just don't know how it's going to go. Like, you know, I think that even Lions fans, the Lions fans that I've sort of looked at and polled and 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 seen talking on Twitter about this, like, I think they're pretty split whether they should take a quarterback at the number two spot or wait because they have thirty two. Also, they have the last pick of the first round. So, do they wait and take like a potentially you know foundational player on the defensive line, offensive line, or whatever at number two, and then get a quarterback at the end of the first round, potentially not get your choice of your guy, or go with Malik Willis at this spot? I think that is kind of the big question that they have here. <laughs> so, I, so I can see Craig getting ready to play me off here, and it's distracting. Uh, <laughs> wrap it up, DK. I can't hear it. I can't hear it. Can you? Oh, shit. There we go. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I, I think that you got to wrap this one up, DK. Okay. So, yeah. So am I confident? No. But I think it is a possible. I'm, I think it's a possibility, a distinct possibility. Ben, what do you think? Tell me your, tell me your take on this. Well, once the music's played, you can't just hand it off. You can't phone a friend to finish your speech on stage after you've been played off. Okay, DK, best next best picture nomination. Yes. We got the Carolina Panthers. You got taking Kenny Pickett, the quarterback out of Pittsburgh. Mm. I think this one's really interesting and kind of under-discussed because the Panthers are as desperate for a quarterback as you can kind of get. And then Kenny Pickett, when he was in high school, almost played for Matt Rule, who's the Panthers head coach, when Matt Rule was the head coach at Temple. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Pickett actually committed there and only left when Matt Rule left. So do you th- so do you think that Kenny Pickett makes sense? Like, do you think this is something the Panthers could do? And do you think that this is like a smart move for them? Yes, I think it's something that they could do because they've sort of painted themselves into a corner at this point with the quarterback position uh, by ignoring it and or trying to get by with Darnold and, and whatever they've done the last, like Cam Newton, over the last couple of years, instead of just picking a quarterback last year, for instance, or what, or executing a trade this offseason, things like that. So they've kind of painted themselves into a corner. And so I think they are more or less expected to take a quarterback here, although anything could happen, of course. But I just don't see them going with Sam Darnold. I do think the Pickett connection makes a lot of sense. Ben, give me your take on this. Does, does Pickett fit what the Panthers want to do? Because they want to be a run-heavy team. Is he right? better than Sam Balance? Darnold? Was he beat out Sam Darnold? Yeah. Goodness gracious. What do the Panthers want to be on offense? There's no way of knowing. They had Joe <laughs> Brady. They got rid of him. Yeah, they want yeah. to be like run first. right? They were like, you know who we really need in the building? Ian Thomas and his right. 36 catches, yeah. whatever the heck it was. Um, they're a mess offensively. They don't have the offensive line to execute stuff. Like They want to be a quick passing team because of McCaffrey, but like it's all garbage. So what do they want to be on? Like Just pick a fit? Sure, because it's from the pocket. Like I don't freaking know. Uh, is he better than Sam Darnold? I don't freaking know that one either. Like it, it, Darnold is objectively bad. Pickett is not a very good prospect. It, it technically, by rule of like he could be anything. By by the Peter Griffin, a, the mystery box could be anything. It could be a boat. 
Axiom, yes, Pickett <laughs> is better than Sam Darnold because there are universes where that ends up happening, but not a way that gets you excited, right? Not a way that, that, that makes that makes you feel great. Like, oh, you cleared the Sam Donald bar. Yeah, like barely. Uh it is though it is clear though. I very much agree with with um with DK that the messaging right now from Carolina is that they they need to be able to make a change at the quarterback position. They very recently uh I think it was Scott Vitterer, the GM, who said, like, Sam's our guy right now, mm-hmm. which he said now. Having said at the combine, we need competition. We got to bring guys into the quarterback room. So what they just told you is that they participated in the quarterback free agent market and missed on everybody they wanted. And so now Jimmy's still available. Baker's still available. One phone call, you get either one of those guys. They aren't doing that. But they said back in March, we need competition in the quarterback room. I very much agree with DK that the Panthers are telling you right now they're taking a quarterback early. I, I kind of think it's a mistake. Like, I, I understand that you've missed like a few years in a row, but then settling yeah. after all the Panthers have been desperate for four years and then you just settle for the worst quarterback draft. They have had seven left tackles in the last seven, in the last seven years. They're going to have their eighth left tackle in eight years this year. Just take a tackle and then figure out quarterback next year. Listen, all you needed to do is say the Carolina Panthers are planning on and then you go, well, I think that's probably a mistake. And just but statistically, <laughs> you're going to be right. Like I've, I've said, you know, seven out of 10 times. Why wouldn't they uh, just trade for Baker or Jimmy G? Well, that's the interesting thing, so right? Is, is it's, yeah. It seems like they believe a quarterback that they can get in the draft is going to give them a better chance to be a contending guy than Baker or Jimmy G would. Worth noting that obviously the money is going to be a little bit cheaper, but it's not like they're like out here signing star free agents. I don't know why that matters. Draft capital wise, going to be more expensive. You spend a sixth overall pick on a guy as opposed to sending a second round pick for Baker, second round pick for Jimmy. You should be able to spend send even less than a second round pick for Baker because Cleveland so desperately needs to get him off their books. So, if they have that belief, it tells me one of two things: one, they have deluded themselves into Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral. Desmond Ritter, all the non-Malik Willis guys is like being like a star, 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 star would be really, really bad. Or two, much more interesting, they think they can get Malik mm-hmm. either at six or by moving up, which could tell us, you know, a little bit of TV is reading into what Detroit thinks. So I think it's one of those two, one of those two messages, what they're sending us. Right I think now. just, you know, as you're talking, it kind of dawned on me, like I even said this too. I think there's a chance Malik Willis goes number two. I don't know for sure if it's going to be to the Lions because I think if, if Hutchinson goes number one, it feels like the Lions are going to try and trade back. You know what I mean? They're going to try and recoup a little bit more or get a little bit more draft capital. They're still going to get a relatively blue chip player, especially if they only trade back like four or five spots. Um, but anyone who's trying to get a quarterback may end up having to trade into that two spot to kind of jump. You know, the Texans are a wild card, and then you got like the Jets maybe looking to get back too. And so, um, yeah, to get in front of anyone trying to trade up, that's the spot to do it right there. And so um, you could see the Seahawks do that. You could see Falcons potentially do that. Uh, I just want to thank my mom and, and everybody who uh, helped me out along the way. Yeah. Peace. Peace. All right. And our next presenter, we've got the New York Giants <laughs> taking Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher out of Georgia. I love this. Okay. So Trayvon Walker has had this rise. And sh- I mean, you two both have been saying how good Trayvon Walker is for a while. Dane Brugler at The Athletic this week said Trayvon Walker could potentially go number one overall. And I'm curious, do you guys think... Three years from now, Trayvon Walker might be like the best pass rusher in this class. Like, is it crazy? If is he that good? Because I haven't thought of him as that good before, and it kind of took me aback. Well, Ben, you take this one, yeah, yeah. So, so, but 
Peter Griffin mystery box axiom. Right? <laughs> Trayvon Walker. Explain, the, explain this one again for right. people. So, uh, I, it, the show's Family Guy. I can't pretend to have watched it, but there's a very <laughs> famous gif or clip <laughs> from it. You haven't watched where, Family Guy? <laughs> no, no, I haven't seen it. That's why I'm saying next. I don't want to like. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure the guy's seen Peter. We're Griffin, making him explain no to us Family knowing. Guy when he's never seen it. <laughs> but anyway, he and his wife Lois are sitting at a table, and they're being offered by some man who has things to offer. I don't know, Isaac Santa or something. Uh, he's like, you guys can have a boat. Like, you guys have won a boat. And they're like, wow, a boat is crazy. And then he goes, or you could get the mystery box. And he just puts like a like a very regular size, like you could put, get, put a sweater in this box for Christmas. It's a regular size box with a boat, but Peter, and he's like, or the mystery box. And Lois is like, Peter, don't be an idiot. We're taking the boat. And Peter goes, now, now, the boat is a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. And that <laughs> logic yeah. explains nine out of 10 ridiculous draft decisions in human history, right? <laughs> a mystery box could be anything. It could be a boat. Trayvon Walker is a mystery box, right? He spent fewer than a thousand total career snaps lined up as an actual true edge rusher. Mm-hmm. I remember Austin Gale PFF was tweeting that out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he is 275. So he's, he's perfect tweener size. He was a total jackknife. For the Georgia defense. He was playing with all first rounders constantly. Like, Aziz Ojolari, second rounder. Jermaine Carter, Jalen Carter, going to be a first rounder. Adam Aronson, extremely talented before he left the team. Jordan Davis, whatever. They just got bodies on bodies of incredibly talented players. And so he just is not a super high sack guy, super high productive guy, whatever. But he's athletic as all get out. And he is a, a, a versatile and experienced guy on an NFL style defense. So he's a mystery box because there's a chance you put this guy at actual defensive end at five tech. Just let him rush the passer. And he's he's that double digit sack guy that even Aiden Hudson, Kayvon Thibodeau aren't like Kayvon, like Thibodeau, Hudson, they're, they're good prospects. They're not double digit sack guys. Walker might be that, but in any other class where there's actual stars, we ain't talking about Walker's first overall pick. We ain't talking about Walker's top five pick. We're all like, I'm going to be interested to see who gambles on him in the teens. But in this class, the mystery box actually holds some weight because there's a lot of known quantities in this draft and they're not great known quantities. So Walker seeing his stock skyrocket just because this guy could actually be something in a group of guys where it really doesn't feel that way about anybody else. Well, I'm going to combine this with the next one because DK, you have Seattle Seahawks taking Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge out of Oregon. And mm-hmm. I think this is kind of like sound mixing and sound editing. It's like every year someone explains the difference and I don't really get it. It never sticks. <laughs> but so do you still feel that Thibodeau is the better prospect than Trayvon Walker, but that the NFL doesn't see it that way because yeah. seemingly they don't like Kayvon Thibodeau's personality, even though he was in the mix for number one, even a few months ago. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's how it feels like right now. It feels like Thibodeau is kind of sliding in the, in the eyes of the NFL or like that's sort of the Intel that we're hearing is, is that the teams, teams don't like Thibodeau. And, and in fact, I even heard Daniel Jeremiah on a podcast the other day, the other day, say he talked to somebody who's like, yeah, we don't like the Thibodeau guy. We like Walker more. We like the Georgia guy more. Um, that was just him giving an anecdote. But like, I think that's uh, representative of probably what a, a good amount of teams probably feel about this. I still think Thibodeau is a very good prospect, but um, he's you know somewhat in the same vein in terms of like there's tons and tons of potential there. Um, but he has yet to sort of realize that potential. I think that physical potential that he has. Um, talking about Thibodeau right now. Thibodeau, right? And but I think Walker and Walker is more raw. He's more of an unknown because he doesn't have the experience as a pure edge rusher, where he's lining up outside the tackle and just pinning his ears back and going. Um, I think with both of these guys, you have a very solid floor. And, and like again, I think you said this. Like or Ben, you said this. In, in any other season, we wouldn't be saying. 
we wouldn't be talking about these guys as like top 10 picks probably. We'd talk about them in the teens. But both of these guys have very solid floors, I think, as run defenders. Like very good, mm-hmm. solid. You can put them on the edge right away and they're not going to like totally mess it up for you. They're good players. Um, so they have that floor. But the question is, what's their ceiling as a pass rusher? And I think with both those guys, there is a question mark about it. Some question marks about Kayvon Thibodeau, his ability to bend. I know that that's kind of been something that has been a talking point in draft Twitter and, and some of the draft analysts now. It's like, does he have that elite bend? I, I think I've seen it at times, but then there is question marks about like whether he can like really get flat to the quarterback and like, you know what I mean? Like, the Von Miller thing where you like almost horizontal to the ground and like turn into the, to the pocket and get to the quarterback. Um, does he have that? I think that's something that, that scouts are questioning. And so with Trevon Walker, it's a trait space thing. I don't know. It, the, both of them are, are tough, tough evals. I have a question for, for Ben and DK. Uh, Heifetz has been, has written about the idea of nature versus nurture, right? Like a quarterback's landing spot affects their career more than their actual skill does. Uh, is that the same with, with like an edge rusher? Does it matter where Kayvon Thibodeau or Trayvon Walker land in terms of how their career might pan out? Matters for every position, every player, yeah. at every every draft slot. But isn't a defensive end much more singular in terms of like you just rush the passer? It's not like a quarterback scheme and role players around him. So not really. Um, so right, like obviously people talk about four three versus three four, right? And then every defensive coordinator in the world is like, actually, that we're a multiple scheme. Like it doesn't matter. It's all the same. And that's just a lot of bupkis. Uh, what you're you're going to have strong side and weak side defensive ends, right? You're like defensive pass rush specialists and coaches talk about rush lane integrity, right? So when you rush the passer, it's not four guys trying to get to the quarterback. It's three guys trying to make sure the quarterback can't get away from where the one guy is going to be rushing from, right? Um, and so when you have a player like Walker, who's a 275, probably going to be around like 270 when he comes into the league, he's going to play like on the edge. Uh, that's going to be a, that's going to be a base end for you. He's like we, we talk about you know five technique. That's playing on the outside shoulder of the tackle. That's rushing that outside rush lane. He's going to play at times depending on where he goes a four tech where he's head up on the tackle. And now instead of attacking, we're going downfield first step explode get up field. We're talking about that first step is going to be uh, a frog step. It's going to be a square step. We're going to we're going to maintain space. We're going to play with run defense at first in our mind. This is a lot of what like you know oh Brandon Staley whoa like what's going on. A lot of what's changing is, is he's put such a premium on, on, on pass coverage that he asks his down defensive linemen to prioritize run defense above pass defense so that he can get an extra number in the box, or take, take an extra player out of the box, put him in pass coverage, and still stop the run with that, that, that minus one deficiency. So there's a, a, a variety of defensive line techniques. And then some defensive line coach is just better than others, right? There are some guys who'd say like, I, you know, like Matt Burke was in Philadelphia. The Eagles are my reference point. He recently came in as a defensive line coach under Jim Schwartz and he took Josh Sweat and he, and, and said, Josh, stop rushing with seven different moves. He said, rush with a, a, a dip rip, rush with the side scissors and occasionally with an inside spin. Like that's all you're going to do is three moves. Josh Sweat was a pro bowler last year because somebody had to sit down with Josh Sweat for however Josh thinks about the game or whatever Josh's skill set is and say, listen, you got you, you to define a simple toolbox and then just athletically dominate guys. That's your skill set. You don't need to be working on, oh, two-hand cross-chop Nick Bosa nonsense. It's not you, right? And so there's, like, coaches are just different in different places. And, some, and places that put a premium on four-man rushes, like where Jim Schwartz is the defense coordinator, now in, with the Titans, right? They had an incredible four-man rush this year. Those guys know how to get pass rushes out of their defensive ends better than other coaches do. So there's a schematic aspect to it. And then there's also a, a literal nurture aspect to it. What are the coaches like? What are the veterans like? So on and so forth. I think to add to that, I think it's probably may, or potentially more pronounced with a quarterback 
because supporting cast and coaching is so important. But there also is with pass rushers, it does matter like who they're playing with too, right? Like if they're on a defensive line that has Aaron Donald, for instance, that helps the edge rusher because Aaron Donald is just creating freaking chaos on the inside. And he's not the guy that they're scheming for. So there, I think there's similarities at every position um, in terms of, you know, nature versus nurture, landing spot matters. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's very pronounced at quarterback, of course, because they just have the hardest job in the world <laughs> so, or in sports, certainly. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't want to play any playoff music there because I asked the question. So. I feel real. I was wondering I as real. I was going. I was like, "Is he allowed to play me off if it's his question? How's it work?" I don't think so. That would just that would just be a dick move. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, "Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kids' education?" Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Next best picture nominee, we got the New York Jets taking Drake London, the receiver out of USC. Mm. Now, mm. we've seen a lot of the Jets clearly want a receiver, right? Because they try to get Tyreek Hill and then the Dolphins yep. got him and they tried to get Calvin Ridley and then he was suspended for a year for gambling. Like the, the Jets have just tried and swung and missed at a bunch of receivers this year. I guess my question is, Drake London is like the big body and he literally played basketball for USC. And like he's like the big body Mike Evans power forward. I think you compare him to like Slim Dennis Rodman, right, TK? <laughs> yeah. And so it yeah. makes sense with Zach Wilson is like, oh, he'll throw it up to Zach Wilson. But the Jets offensive coordinator is Mike LaFleur, who's the Packers head coach's little brother, comes from the Shanahan tree. And like they're more like yards after the catch. So I guess my question is for mm -hmm. both of you is does it make more sense to get like a big body guy for Zach Wilson to throw it up? Or like why wouldn't they get Garrett Wilson or Ohio State, like a more squirrely kind of receiver? Squirrely. I think it's possible. Um, 
that they do end up going in a different direction or maybe Traylon Burks is the guy because he potentially would fit that offense. They're obsessed with yak and all that. I will say Drake London for being tall was very good at running after the catch in college. He had, I'm looking at the stats now and he forced 22 missed tackles in 2021 per PFF, which is a very high number um, in one season. He was, they used him on screens. They were using him on like swing pass type deals. Um, He was actually pretty good. I wouldn't say he's the top guy in the class at that, but I think what he can do is add to it. He's very physical. He's very aggressive. He can get. He can move after the catch. Um, he can be a part of that. But also, he can block. He can, you know, go up and and box out in the red zone. He can help them in the red zone where they really will need help. Um, you know, giving Zach Wilson. And, and honestly, I think he f- pairs well with Zach Wilson, the style of passer that Zach Wilson is. Um, so that was kind of why I thought of that. But like, I I do think that's an interesting point with the, with the Jets and with the Dolphins, for instance, in the 49ers, all those teams need guys and are obsessed with guys that can get yards after the catch. So that might have an impact on what they do here. And, and they could go many different directions. But I think London right now feels like sort of the chalky top receiver for the, for for whatever reason. Okay, so the next pick here. DK, you got the Eagles taking Garrett Wilson with mm-hmm. the 16th pick. I mean, the Eagles have three picks. They got Trent McDuffie, the cornerback. They got they also got him taking George Karloftis, the edge rusher. But I think the one I'm most interested in is Garrett Wilson, the receiver at Ohio State. Solak, you're a huge Eagles fan. How like would you rather the Eagles get Garrett Wilson at 16, or do you like or do you would you rather like a Drake London fall to you at that spot? Yeah, first let it be known that DK gave the Eagles Garrett Wilson. Directly as a as a barb towards me, and I acknowledge that. And I saw that DK, and it was not it was not this. Um, if anybody's listened to our wide receiver episode from like last month ago, DK and I disagree on Wilson. Yeah, I I prefer London for the Eagles. I prefer London just to Wilson generally as a player. Uh, in Philadelphia, the Eagles don't have a a clear outside body type right now. They're a very small receiver room. Devontae Smith can play on the outside. It's shockingly good at playing on the outside for his size, but is a small dude. Quez Watkins is a speedster. He is an undersized speedster. Jalen Rager is a smaller receiver. Greg Ward is a slot receiver. Excuse me, a slot receiver. The Eagles have no above-the-rim players. And and well, firstly, I just have an affinity for above-the-rim players. I like those guys. But secondly, you do like need one. This was an issue the Chiefs ran into this year with, with their room. The Bills ran into it with their room before Gabriel Davis started to really come on there, especially in that that that, that divisional round playoff game. You need a big body. It's really hard to play receiver without a tall, big dude. Uh, you, like your, your room needs a power forward. Any guy will go get you a bucket in the paint. Talk about building that room when like a basketball team. You do need that big guy. And so I think London is a preferable player to Wilson. I'm not sure he goes first come a month from now, right? We're 30 days out. Most folks have the odds that, that both go top 10. They both are like, you know, over, under 10 and a half draft position at about the same. Um, for, for, for me personally, I prefer London. I prefer him for the Eagles, and I prefer him for the Jets. Zach Wilson loves those those above the rim, go up and, and get you a contested catch receivers, right? He threw them all the time in BYU. They don't have one of those in, in, in New York either, so they do need a Drake London type. He fits for, for both teams. You mentioned have the importance you yeah, need big guys in the room. You also just need guys in the room, and that's why the other one I like from DK, you got the Green Bay Packers taking Traylon Burks, the mm. Arkansas receiver. And I like that because you just need people, generally speaking. And the Packers, after they traded Devontae Adams, the only receivers the Packers have under contract, and I'm saying this on Tuesday afternoon, the only receivers the Packers have <laughs> under contract are Amari Rodgers, mm. who was their third round pick last year, and literally just undrafted free agents. That is their entire room. <laughs> yeah. So I the like that they have a receiver. Yeah. I'm curious how Traylon Burks works with Aaron Rodgers because I just can't get the comp you have in my head, DK, of 
Traylon Burks is like the Debo Samuel with a power up mushroom. Like he's a bigger Debo Samuel. But yeah, Rogers, I always think of of like technical route running and like Devontae Adams and always having this like technical route runner. So what kind of role would he have on the Packers? It's like Debo on the Packers, basically. Burks is is an unpolished route runner, right? You said relatively, I would say, yeah, but a lot of rookies are pretty unpolished. So I think you have that with a lot of guys. Maybe Olave is the most polished route runner at, at this point in time. Um, Jamison Williams is pretty good, but I think when you look at Traylon Burks, look, the, the Packers also run a ton of screens. They just like Rogers loves to do that thing where he looks at the line of scrimmage. If a guy's playing off, he just throws him a smoke route and then get on with it, like get a few yards and go. That's like an extension of their run game. Um, I think Burks is a guy that they could utilize all over the formation, all over the field. Um, he does have some very effective routes, like outside and running deep like he can run past corners so i think that aaron Rodgers could uh throw him deep balls here and there especially on like play action shots um but i also think they could utilize him at um you know in the slot running screens doing things like that where his his physical uh pickup yards have to catch attributes can really be a big part of their offense i think that's probably what they wanted um amari rogers to be but amari rogers was just like an absolute mess as a rookie so i don't know if he's even got a future in the nfl at this point um so i think burks is kind of a good uh, combination of things that they like to do. He's certainly not Devontae Adams at this point in his career. Nobody is. Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best receiver in the NFL. So they're not going to do the Devontae Adams routes with him. But I do think he can be an effective guy in that offense with the things that they like to do. I, I, I kind of stick with I the got in under the music. I know. We, yeah, well, well done. I was thinking about it. <laughs> I, I want to stick you. with yeah. this receiver run we got here. The other other best picture here, you got the Arizona Cardinals taking Jamison Williams, the receiver out of Alabama. Yeah. And that makes sense to me because the Cardinals, they have DeAndre Hopkins. They re-signed Zach Ertz at tight end. They've got James Conner running back. But they also, they lost Christian Kirk to the insane Jaguars contract that kind of blew up the entire receiver market. They got Chase Edmond. They lost Chase Edmonds at running back. They lost AJ Green. They don't have receiver. any speed. They have no speed. So I guess I'm wondering, but is Jamison Williams, is he like just a speed guy or could he be something no. else? I think he's more, and I'd love to get Ben's take on it because I can't remember what we talked about. This is like a month ago we talked about receivers. Um, I really like Jameson Williams. He's really grown on me too a lot during this process. Just um, extremely, extremely sudden. He can do the yak thing too where you're like getting him the ball quickly and he just like runs past the defense. He's so fast. Um, he can just obliterate like pursuit angles from defenders. Um, I think they need to have another guy who can play on the outside and who can kind of get deep, stress defenses deep. Antoine Wesley is not that guy in my opinion. Um, and Rondell Moore isn't either, at least not what we've seen so far of him in his career. I think he's kind of been, you know, in his rookie year, he was just a gadget player mostly. I think that they're going to expand his his usage in his sophomore year and hopefully like utilize him more on slot fades and things like that down the field. But right now they they don't really have a deep threat. Uh, AJ Green, free agent, as far as I remember, he's he hasn't been signed anywhere, right? Um, right. And so, yeah, I think he fits just like kind of what they, they want to do. Also, the other thing I kind of threw in here is the Cardinals have really faded down the stretch the last like two or three seasons. And Jamison Williams is not going to be ready to go in the beginning of the year, but he could really provide a nice boost for them down the stretch um, when they've really struggled the last couple of years. So that's something else kind of kept in mind. Who's rushing the passer in Arizona, DK? <laughs> Ooh, we got Dennis Gardeck starting. They've got Marcus <laughs> Golden and JJ Watt who are in their 30s. And I mean, I, I think the Cardinals, I think the crazy thing about the Cardinals to me, and you're right, Solak, is like they actually were one of the older teams in the NFL. And they feel season. young because of Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. But they're but actually they're not, not at all. They're very old. And they also have two. I, I mentioned the Packers have like one receiver on their roster is not an undrafted free agent. 
the Cardinals have two cornerbacks who are not undrafted free ag- free agents. So I guess my only nitpick is it's like I feel yeah. like they have to go defense here in some way. That's fair. That's very fair. Ben, what do you think of Williams just generally? Love Williams and also very much agree that the Cardinals are in a position to add a deep threat. Will prioritize that position because of how much four wide they play. You know, oh, yeah. Hopkins plus Rondale plus, you know, Ertz. They resign Max Williams. They like Anton Wesley. They have enough bodies. They don't just because of how much they throw the football. Um, and, and those guys that don't represent team speed, right? Like losing Kirk, who wasn't like the fastest dude, but still was quick. Losing yeah. Edmonds, who was a fast dude. Like they need team speed. I just don't think you'll see them do it round one, given the defensive needs. But it makes sense. And Williams is a, is a delightful player. Dane Brugler said on the athletic draft show that, hey, this is a last Dane Brugler said on the athletic show that he's the one, he's the one, he's the one, he's the one, he's the one for some team. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to keep this bit forever. Yeah, as I was starting that sentence, I knew I was going to get caught. <laughs> I, I, I feel like much. a dick now for asking the follow up, but yes, we, uh, we we're not getting rid of this. <laughs> keep this forever. This just be like in every show. Yeah. All right. the 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 next best picture here. I'm, I, I we're kind of cheating here, and we're going to combine two. The Chiefs have back to back picks in the first round. And DK, you got them taking George, George Pickens, the receiver out of Georgia. And then mm-hmm. next one, they got Arnold Abiquetti, the pass rusher out of Penn State. I yeah. like that a lot. I think that makes a ton of sense. The Chiefs yep. sneakily have a lot of holes. Obviously, after trading Tyreek Hill, they need receiver, but like they need defensive end. They need cornerback. Like, I think one of the reasons they were happy, to, not happy, but they were, they decided to do the Tyreek Hill right. trade was like, this roster is not quite as complete as it used to be. They still need a right, they need a right tackle. So, I guess my question is, piggybacking off how the Packers definitely need a receiver. How does like George Pickens fit into like what the Chiefs need? Because like they're not going to get the speed of Tyreek Hill. So like if Juju Smith Schuster's on this offense, what does like a George Pickens bring with like Patrick Mahomes? What does the Chiefs' offense look like with him in the him in the mix? He is, yeah, he is in theory at least the outside X type receiver that the offense doesn't really have right now because Juju Smith Schuster is a slot receiver. He's going to be operating over the middle of the field. Pickens can start on the outside. He's kind of got. You said that right there. Travis Kelsey is basically also the slot, right? In a way. Well, yeah, he can line up all over. He does a little bit on the outside too. But like, yes, generally speaking, I think they they need guys on the outside. Like Miko Hardman is not going to be that guy this year. Um, And so, you know, I think Pickens has the skill set of of a guy that they don't really have in that offense right now. He's tall. He's he's long. He likes to, um, you know, he he's good at going up and getting the ball at the highest point and things like that. Like contested catch guy. But he's also a very good deep threat. Um, so he kind of combines a lot of different things. And I actually heard, uh, Greg Cosell talking on a podcast the other day and he said he, he loves Pickens. He actually likes Pickens more than London. And he was saying that had Pickens not torn his ACL last year, cause he only, Pickens came back and only played in like five games and, and really wasn't like himself until the, like the last two games of the, of the year or whatever. Um, if he had, if he had played this last year, he thinks he'd be like talking about his top 10 pick. So he's got a ton of talent. He's a former five-star player. Um, I know that Ben loves him. And and he's just got kind of the complete package. He has to put it all together. I think he is a little bit hit or miss in terms of um, play strength in terms of like at the catch point, like he can get pushed away from the catch point. I think he needs to like lean into it a little bit more and use that size and use his uh, like strength. Cause he's like, you should, you see him run block, dude. He goes after guys. He like pushes guys down and like goes after him. He's got, I, I compared him to like a hangry AJ green um, oh, because he just plays AJ with an edge. Green. But like, 
I don't know. I think he's kind of a complete package guy and he would be a perfect fit for them, for them because he could do intermediate stuff, short intermediate stuff. He's also a, a lid lifter type guy that they don't have. So look, I, I also want to know your opinion on DK's giving Arnold Ebiketti the pass rusher out of Penn State to the Chiefs. This is actually a really important range because the guy, the pass rushers to go at the end of the first round, it's like, okay, well, the Chiefs are here. I can't speak English. The Chiefs are here. The Bills are here. The Packers are here. Like, this is one of those players that can join a Super Bowl team. Like, if he goes to the Bills, he could bookend with Von Miller. If he goes to the Chiefs, he could, like, be in the AFC Championship game. And he's kind of like this pro-ready guy. So, like, what is the team, if it's, whether like, how much of an impact could, like, an Ebiketti make to the Chiefs or even to, like, the Bills, wherever he goes, if he goes in the back half of the first round? Yeah. So, if we're assuming, which I think would be correct, that Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, and George Karloftis all go in like the top half of the first round, like maybe the top 20 fringe. Uh, The edge that I would want after 20 is Ebicady. Bar none. Period. Uh, This is not a very flexible class. If that's a trait that you really like for your edges, talk about Hutchinson, not very flexible. Thibodeau, I think, is just perfectly fine. But as DK brought up earlier, there's a little bit of concerns with that. Walker's a little bit too big to go flexible rush. Like that's not where he makes his hay. Same thing with Karloftis. Eva Katie, man, oh, can run under a table. Uh, it's really, really cool to watch him come <laughs> That's a the good corner. one. Good scout term. Uh, right I should have, yeah. Save that. Actually, I should have, we should have kept, we should have, yeah, we should have kept that one in the holster. DK. That's on me. Um, but right, when we talk about, if you think about what that looks like, literally run under the table, like the ability to get your shoulders to the same level as your hips, get like all the way down low and sit underneath that table. That's Eva Katie. He's a, a Temple to Penn State transfer. And if anybody follows the draft closely, they know that when you enter the Penn State Seriously, strength and conditioning dude. program, baby, you come out so you come out something different. Uh, I, I don't think that he, he. I think he was a fine NFL athlete at Temple, and I think whatever they feed him there at Penn State, whatever they do in that program, really helped him get uh, stronger metrics and stronger production as well. He's an absolute jackhammer in the running game too. He does not take reps off, which is great. Uh, I love him as that that end of the first round guy. This is the mystery box that you would want to be drafting like the Trayvon Walker area, this is just that, that sort of a mystery box where I think if you're going to get a 10-plus sack guy outside of the top half of the first round, which is rare, Evan Katie is the guy in this in this draft. I would well, I like the mystery box because, you know when you play Mario Party and there's like the loaded, like every character has like their own specific dice? Like it sounds like the Evan Katie mm-hmm. dice is like way more boats in the mystery box <laughs> than anything else. Right, right. It's right. just like the good Absolutely, dice. Absolutely, yeah. All right. So I like that. I very much agree. So those are he's he's a little short. He's a little like undersized, I'd say, but he's very flexible and he's got really long arms. So his shortness isn't that big of a deal because he's got really long arms and really long wings. Yeah, and honestly, two fifty, like the same the same Brian Burns. You know what I mean? This is it. Well, Aiden Hutchinson's really tall with short arms, kind of. So like he's like the opposite. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Dude, I don't know how I don't know how Hutchinson measured in with those arms. They're pretty sure like 31 inches. No, I'm talking about that. And nobody <laughs> said anything about it. This is a problem. This is a huge bad thing because of arm length. That's my time. This is a little bit like playing uh, musical chairs because I kind of got my comment in there and then then Ben tried to like answer and it was like too right. late. <laughs> well, hey, you sometimes you can't have the writer, the producer, the cinematographer. They can't all talk. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, wait. So we just did the 10 best picture nominees. Who's the best picture? Best pick? Am I supposed to answer that? Yeah, who's your you guys answer pick? that? Who's the best pick? Solak DK, out of those we just went through, what's the best pick? And I'm, you know, mm. art's in the eye of the beholder. So who knows what the definition is? I'm going with Packers, Trey Lambert. Mm. 
Solak? I'd take uh, Chiefs with Arnold Abikati. I'm glad that he got in the first round. I think it's appropriate, and I think that, that he deserves to shine. Wow, what a, that's a little sleeper. indie film. A late campaign, a well-run campaign. That's the artist by Arnold Abikati. Yeah, okay, that's really good. All right, I like that Solak just said like you could run under a table because that's like the perfect segue because we are we are joined for a very special edition. <laughs> of two jargons and a lie right now. And we are joined yes. by the one and only Chris Ryan. Chris, how are you doing? What's up, Danny? What's up, Danny? What's up, Craig? What's up, <laughs> Uncle Baby Benny? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Usually, we well, every week we give the two jargons and a lie, the two draft jargons, and then we make up a fake one. And it has, to our bewilderment, captured America. <laughs> and people sent him in. What we did not expect was a slack from Chris Ryan, who is like, I am coming on next week. <laughs> Because I love this segment so much. Yes. I rarely, rarely pull executive privilege to the extent that I have one. <laughs> I really don't. And this Bill does that sometimes where he's just like, coming on, I'm doing a hot 15. You guys yeah. got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. But this is my favorite segment on any, any podcast right now. It's now gotten to the point where I, when I read straightforward draft coverage... If there isn't jargon in it, don't want it. It's like it's like yeah. doing bad drugs. I'm just like, what? Come on! It's just, I'm itching here. I need something. You need to just give me a taste. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, here's what we were thinking. We're gonna have Solak give you. We're, you're gonna. You're, you're gonna, gonna play along. It's, it's DK. Yeah. Okay. DK's got it. You're Chris. You're gonna play along with. Craig so and I, I, I get to compete and, and then also host, right? And then I, yeah. Okay. You have ones for us. I've actually not been informed what you have for us, and I kind of don't want to know. I kind of just want you to tell us what you got. But we'll start with DK. DK, give us two draft jargons and a lie. All right, here we go. Here's three expressions. You guys tell me which ones lie. Uh, number one, he's got plenty of sand in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number two, uh, he looks like hell with everyone out to lunch. Number three, it's like driving a covered wagon on the Audubon. Wow. Okay, so the first one where I was like, they're all lies. <laughs> <laughs> no, first one, the number one's true. Okay. It looks like he's got sand in his pants. Wait, is yeah. that what it was? It looks like he's got sand in his pants? He's got plenty of sand in his pants. Plenty of sand. So we have to get one out of the last two. I because I, I saw I saw sand in his pants in my in my studies. Oh. Also, just in my in my everyday life, like I feel like I came across <laughs> sand in his pants. Sand in his pants, that means he's like got a good anchor. Like he can't move him off his spot. Like he's he he's got an anchor. So we got he looks like hell and everybody else out to lunch. Looks like hell with everyone out to lunch. He looks like hell with everyone out to lunch. And like driving a covered wagon on the Audubon. So I have never heard any of these terms, and I my, my my gut here is very simple. I know what he means by covered wagon on the autobahn. I have no idea what the hell out to lunch thing means, which me, makes me think that DK didn't make that up. I think autobahn is fake. DK definitely would come up with autobahn. What is? I don't even know what the second Chris. Do you even know what the second one's supposed to mean about hell no, out I, to lunch? No, I don't know at all. The covered wagon on the autobahn, though, is it too good to be real? Right? Is that what Craig? Is that what you're saying? Like that's the kind of thing Danny would make up. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to like, this is, has nothing to do with me figuring out like what draft jargon actually means. It's just me trying to like study the psychology of someone's brain. And I'm just trying You're to think of like, my head. what DK would <laughs> yeah. think of here. Because it, I, I don't think DK would have typed out, he looks like hell with everybody else out to lunch and been like, I yeah, that sounds, yeah. that sounds right. So maybe that's a guy <laughs> while everybody else is on their lunch break, he's still lifting or he's still, he's still working. So he looks like hell is a positive <laughs> He's a culture guy. He's a, he's a culture shifter. While you're eating lunch, he's he's looking like hell. 
Yeah, when, uh, it was reported during spring break, Aiden <laughs> Hodgson refused to go anywhere and like party because he had work to do. So Aiden Hodgson, man, he's a hell of everyone out to lunch guy. So maybe Danny made up the covered wagon in the Autobahn. I think he did. I think he made up covered wagon in the Autobahn, which I have to say is such a good one that if he is fake, I actually want to start using that DK one. DK also loves Germany and German terms. We, we do You're that right. sometimes on the show. <laughs> I love Germany. You're right, Craig. Okay. Yeah, let's lock that in. The, <laughs> okay. the Autobahn one's fake. Number three is Chris? fake. Are we all in unanimous? Yeah, yeah. Autobahn's fake. Uh, you're all wrong. What? what? Autobahn <laughs> one is right. Bravo! Well done. <laughs> what? Nailed it. The real, sorry, the fake one is he looks like hell with everyone out to lunch. I don't God know what that means. What? Why would you make <laughs> you that just up? Made up? <laughs> Yo, we just got reverse I didn't make it psychology. I, you know what I literally did, Craig? I Googled weird American idioms or expressions, and that was one I found. I don't know what it means, really. I, um, hopefully I'm it's not awe. problematic. That's kind of BS. You have to make up your own. You can't look up another phrase. <laughs> that was impressive. I'm, I'm in, DK literally is just so reverse. Solak would that never make look up another phrase and use it as a replacement. He would come up with his own. Well, the problem is wow. I, I use all of those idioms. Yeah, that's the thing. Every, yeah. This is much more hard than you guys make it sound. Yeah. DK, explain to the people what a covered wagon on the Autobahn is. First of all, yes, I will do that. First of all, though, what Craig said is patently false because Solak got terms from like the olympics earlier you know like he's not <laughs> making things up out of his that's own true. mind all right. all right number two i'm just upset like a covered wagon on the audubon i think that's like a scouting term it's old school um and it's basically <laughs> like they can't school. handle the speed of the nfl yeah you know oh, I mean? I like, like it's too okay. fast they can't process it they're like it's like a covered wagon on the audubon they're just not gonna they're not gonna fit in all right dk i'm in awe all right, now this is the this is the real event right here. This Chris, is what I, was I don't even to. know what kind of jargon you're bringing, but I, I I am so ready for you to take over. So, let me just make sure I have the rules correct, right? So I I you guys only want to do two and one because I have a supersized amount of jargon here. So I have oh, to choose. Fine. We can do what more. I if do. it's yeah. ten okay. and four, we could we could we could do that. <laughs> no, no, keep want. it in two and one. <laughs> we can do multiple. multiple okay, let's rounds do two and, two and one. Okay, ready? Yeah. yeah. All right. Lost his virginity in the back of a Ford wait, Tempo. Wait, wait, wait. What is the subject matter? <laughs> what, what is the, the theme? <laughs> what are we ta- What topic are we talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? What topic are we talking about? Are we about? talking about drafts? Are we still in yeah. drafts? Oh, okay. yeah. You were bringing sure. your own like genre of like, you know, talking about music or something else. Okay. We're doing oh, drafts. no. We're talking about the NFL draft. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's, do it. let's do it. This is incredible. <laughs> okay. You were sorry. You were talking about virginity and we interrupted. Yeah. Lost. This first one is lost his virginity in the back of a Ford Tempo. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yep. Next one. Just because he shot Jesse James doesn't make him Jesse James. Ooh. <laughs> what is going on? That is a good one. That's about Aiden Hutchinson knocking over that Ohio State tackle. Three burps the baby. Oh, <laughs> we okay. we burp, burp full yeah. circle. Burp the baby is real. We determined. Oh, okay. So you guys have done burp the baby before. I must have missed it. Um, um, I think Jesse James is real, and that first one is. Definitely fake. But I think here's what I would say though. The Jesse James one makes a lot of sense. That sounds like a real So term. who's the coward Robert Ford or what's his name? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The so just because you shot Jesse James doesn't mean to Jesse James is a line from Breaking Bad. I don't know if that means it is or is not draft jargon though. I know for a fact it's been said in pop culture. And I know that Chris Ryan has heard it on that show. But I don't know if that means it's actually a block to the draft. <laughs> so this is useless information. Yeah, but what is the virginity of the Ford Tempo thing? <laughs> that doesn't sound real. 
that means that that be, that's a guy. Let's just say he played in a really basic offense, you know. But when he gets to the next level, who uh, knows if he can make his progressions? Oh my god, that is a good one. Oh, I like. That. I'm sorry. What? Can you say that? Like, everyone nodded. Like they immediately got it. What the hell did that mean? I, I was googling four tempos, and I'm like, holy shit. I'm gonna go with the. Shot Jesse James. I think shot Jesse, shot James. Jesse Solak, James. Solak, knowing that was James. Breaking Bad, was good. Yeah, I guess I'll have to agree. So wait, I can you Craig, can you hold on for a second, Craig? Because I think I did two lies and a jargon for these two here. Because <laughs> 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 oh, no. so Jesse James and the Ford tempo are fake. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but I had explanations for everything. Yeah. Well, we're going to roll. Well, let's roll. We'll, we'll keep going, though. Yeah. Because I, I really like the idea that the shot, Je- Ben's right, shot Jesse James is, is a breaking bad term. I really like the idea, though, that like this would be the guy who um, has a lot of success in a system offense. So like play, played for like an air raid team doesn't mean he can actually sling it. Lane you know? Kiffin, Matt Corral, something yeah, like that. Exactly, Matt Corral. I was That's, thinking about like Seth and Bennett, like Georgia beating Alabama. I'm like, listen, just because you beat Bama doesn't mean you're a draft prospect, right? <laughs> like you know, it's a little, a little different. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, this is what I first thought of was uh, Trey Lance taking over for Jimmy G. Just because you got the job doesn't mean you're actually better, kind of deal. Like that's a that's that's a good one just too. Just because yeah. you shot Jesse James doesn't mean you're Jesse James. Thought we we're gonna do Tua, but maybe that's too close to home for some <laughs> of the people and Teddy. here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Teddy shot Tua. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, I, I'm I'm down for as many of these as you got. Okay, now I'm actually gonna do two truths and a lie. Okay, so here here we go. <laughs> uh, dripping with tools. <laughs> <laughs> I love this already. Cabin fever and smokes his own meats. <laughs> oh my God. Two of those are real. Uh, right out the gate, smokes his own meat seems like the the lie. <laughs> Sounds real. I think cabin fever is real because there's like a lot of situations I could see that being real. Yeah, he like has to escape the pocket. He can't stay in the pocket. He's get ca- getting cabin fever in there. Smokes his own meats. What is the first one you said? I think smokes his said? own meats is real. That sounds right. What was the first one? I don't know. Do I tell you what they mean? No. Well, not yet. No, what was... The, we have to guess. What was the first one, Chris? Dripping with tools was the first one. Dripping with tools. That one sounds so stereotypical. You know, it's almost too on the nose. Dripping with tools. <laughs> it's borderline not even jargon. <laughs> Like that's a step away from he's dripping with talent, which is a term. But that's why it's believable to me that Chris could have like Googled this and found that term. And it's just on some bleacher report like, oh, yeah, gave on Thibodeau dripping with tools. But, you know, he's got cabin fever. And if only he smoked his own meats, I think smoked his own meats is the lie. I do, too. All right. I'll go along with the crude with the crowd here. What do we got? You guys are hard to beat. Yeah. I had so the explanation was a very patient running back who who waits to hit the hole. Just like, you know, he he lets he lets flavor develop over a long period. <laughs> See, all of That's Chris's good. explanations are too academic. No football guy is thinking this deep into describing a patient running back. 
<laughs> I disagree. I think we have a career pivot for Chris Ryan here, which yeah. is that he's going to just be like the global editor for all the draft people who like <laughs> sit and watch tape but could use a little wordsmithing. I think that we actually need to use these more. Like we need more terms. We're running out of terms, frankly. <laughs> we are. <laughs> it's actually hard to go. I went through and I was looking for just some inspiration. You know, I was able to come up with my own. But when you look around, like a lot is. Just matriculated yeah. into like everyday everyday parlance, you know. Like I'm going to start using cabin feeder. You guys talked about. You guys were really perplexed about phone booth the other day. I love <laughs> phone booth. Yeah, um, it's a great one. And Craig wants me to get rid of it because people don't use phone booths anymore. No, that's high no, That's not me. Oh, high okay, <laughs> hates that people are called writers because nobody's actually writing anymore. So. What's the What's the name of like the parking lot that you're supposed to use outside of airports to use your phone? A phone? Oh, a cell the phone? Cell the cell lot? lot? The satellite lot? That's what we should we should replace uh replace phone booth with cell phone lot. E bar. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but cell phone lots are big. Yeah, I was gonna say. But like your car is small. You're still sitting in your seat. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of traffic going in and out of them. It's true. Yeah. It's it, instead of phone booth, we'll just say Ford Tempo. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, I'm glad. Good. I'm sorry I screwed up the first round of that. I'm glad I got you guys going with the second round. I'm not but, sorry you screwed up the first one. Do you have great. anything from like, do you have any NBA draft terms and or any like 80s, I don't know, any 80s rock? I feel like they've started to kind of cross over now. Have you guys noticed that where it's like a lot of the twitch ability, a lot of <laughs> the verticality, a lot of right. like, there's a lot of like NBA terms. I think it's just like one massive draft mind floating over us. Just to, And every once in a while, they'll dispense a new verb or adjective. But for the most <laughs> part i mean i if you guys just let me if i one year i want to just write the draft guide and it's just <laughs> gonna be my novel but i break it up into a bunch of different guys scouting reports <laughs> i love that yeah soon we're gonna be talking about how cave on thibodeau has a hezzy jimbo and everything is just yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly if only the sixers had seen the cut of ben simmons's jib we'd all be in a different place okay that's right all right chris ryan thank you so much for joining us thank you dk fun. thank you craig thank you solak um, thank you to the Ford Tempo. I still don't know if that was a compliment or not. <laughs> Chris Ryan, a guy who likes to smoke his own meats. Yeah. <laughs> smoke his own <laughs> meats. Absolutely, baby. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Yeah, thank you, Lauren Hill. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lauren Hill. Nice. I thought of Chris, Lauren. you want to think a band? <laughs> we always think bands. You always think, uh, did you say Lord, Lauren Hill? Who else are we at? Well, no, no. We say thank you, Lauren, as in Lauren Michaels. Like, like we're at the end of SNL, and then oh. we thank the band. And DK always picks a band. So now you can pick one. Oh yeah, well thanks thanks to the strokes for for showing up. There we go. <laughs> Back to the Ford Tempo. Yeah. Oh my god. So no really though, what's what is the Ford Tempo thing? The Ford Tempo was just I mean, I had an explanation. It was uh like a guy who's got a very basic understanding of an offense but doesn't know how to make progressive reads. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you'd have a basic understanding of sex because you got laid in a Ford Tempo. <laughs> yeah. But like when you get into an SUV, who knows? You know what I mean? There's oh, a lot okay. of like you put the seats down in the Ford. Yeah. Or, or, or not. Progressions. Yeah. There is a poor sad man listening to this podcast right now in a Ford Tempo, just hating every single progressive moment that we keep talking about this. Limited progressions. Okay, I know. There's I all, that guy probably also smokes his own meats. He's just like, I'm not <laughs> dying here. <laughs> The only Cabin ones I didn't, I didn't use uh, the King of the North. That was the one I was going to use, <laughs> which was going to be for any uh, uh, lineman from a Big Ten or Northern climate, ready-made yes. for yes. like the AFC North or NFC North. Well, we'll we'll save that for when you come back because we're going to okay. have to do this again at some point. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Goodbye, everyone. 
This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.